are about to listen to the full interview with Brett Hutchings. Sections of it were originally included in our Utah Monolith episode. Brett was the helicopter pilot on the mission which initially discovered the monolith. He shares with us the story of when they first saw it and the chaos which ensued after it hit the news. We hope you enjoy. So my name is Brett Hutchings and I'm a pilot, a helicopter pilot for the Utah Department of Public Safety slash Highway Patrol. And probably 70% of what we're involved in uh, in the department is search and rescue operations. We support 29 counties in the state, the various sheriff's departments and stuff. And then the other 30% is devoted to other law enforcement. Um, We work with the UDOT, uh, which is the Utah Department of Transportation. And we also work with the DNR, which is the Division of Natural Resources, which are the biologists that go out and uh, conduct the wild animal surveys and counts and stuff like that. How much of your job is that DNR work? Because that's kind of what you were doing when the monolith showed up, correct? Yeah, Um, that varies. It can be anywhere from 10 to 20 percent sometimes, depending on the year and the availability of our aircraft. The, The big thing is, is because we're primarily tasked with law enforcement that has to take priority so sometimes we've actually been called off of the uh the biological surveys to go out and do law enforcement things so it just varies from year to year time to time and how long have you been doing it brett uh i've been with the department now about five and a half years that's great it's a very cool job yeah it really is pretty fortunate. I get to go to work every day and kind of not know exactly what I'm going to probably, you know, it can be anywhere from working with the Secret Service to uh, drug enforcement to going out and seeing some of the most spectacular scenery on the planet and stuff when we get into these areas where we're looking for these animals. Going into that, into the DNR work, um, what were you doing I believe it was November 24th. What was going on that day and why were you doing that? I think it's I think that was actually if I'm not mistaken, I think it was November 18th. Oh, got it. Wrong. Got it. Sure. Yeah. It was on November 18th. So, we uh were working down in southeastern Utah, um kind of down around the Moab area for people that are familiar with that. And um we had been out conducting surveys for two days, working in this area that was called Lockhart Valley. And on the third day, as we were flying over some of the lower terrain that we searched for these uh, big Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep and desert bighorn sheep, we happened to uh, one of the biologists, a uh, fellow named Wade, happened to be looking down out of the aircraft right below us uh, in these little small red rock canyons and all of a sudden spotted uh, what's come to be known as the monolith now, even though it's not really a monolith. But uh, anyway, he uh, he immediately started going, whoa, 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 what's that? Turn around, turn around. And I was like, what, what do you got? And he's like, he didn't know how to describe it. (laughs) And so I kind of circled around to the right and the sun happened to hit the thing and so it it was pretty obvious to me what he was looking at i went oh what in the heck is that thing man we circled around it about two or three times and 
And uh, I said, okay, we got to take a break, go down and check this thing out. And my first impression of it was, is that, is this something that NASA or somebody put here? Or are they bouncing? You know, it almost kind of brought to mind like some sort of cell tower or something, you know? And I thought, is it like NASA or somebody put this thing here and they're bouncing satellite signals off of it? And uh, so we just kind of landed and, and uh, Wade and Brad and Dustin, the other two biologists who were with Wade and I, uh, proceeded to walk, hike down to it. We uh, landed up above it. And so I started filming them as they were walking down. I was making jokes a little bit about it. I'm sure you've seen the original video. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I, yeah. So I was just kind of, you know, uh, you know, I, I, oh, I don't know why it just kind of popped into my head, you know aliens and all this kind of stuff as I was looking at it and um, that's why I said you know the intrepid explorers go down to check out the alien life form and uh, as they're walking down to it and stuff then I put my cell phone uh, away and hiked down to it and then I got it back out and started filming around it and stuff but we were just kind of curious we we're like looking at this thing going what in the world could this be for and we noted that you could see where whoever put it in had used a cement type cutting saw to cut into the sandstone. We could see the, the uh, marks from that. But whoever created it, and eventually we came to the conclusion that it had to be an artistic type piece that somebody had put there. And that it had stayed there for apparently a number of years, according to the guys that looked back on Google Earth and stuff uh, that had been there for at least about four years without anybody discovering it until we accidentally flew over the top of it. I guess, like, what are your thoughts of it being an art installation? Why would you put an art installation out there? Is it near anything, <laughs> you know? Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the spiral jetty that's on the Great Salt Lake in Utah. Have I am not. Heard of that? I am not. No. Could you explain <clears throat> that? Just go ahead and Google it and it'll pull it up. But it's, I've flown over it numerous times. It's way out in the desert to the, uh, it's on the northeast side of the Great Salt Lake. And it's literally, I don't know, 25, 30 miles away from probably the closest home of anybody that lives probably even farther than that it's probably about 50 or 60 but anyway this artist got permission to go out and create this thing um and i can't remember what year he did it but it's just called the spiral jetty and he made it out of rocks and I, i'm trying to remember the term that they use for i think they call it land art i'm trying to remember uh, oh yeah that i'm looking at it right now if you look and i think it's called it might be called the utah desert tree that's located along Interstate 80, out literally in the middle of the salt flats uh, as you're going out towards uh, leaving Salt Lake, heading west towards Nevada. An artist got permission to go create this. Uh, I think it's called I think it's called the Desert Tree or the Utah Tree or something, but it's this big art object that's literally you're driving along the freeway and you look up and go, what in the world is that? And it looks more alien-ish, I guess you'd say, because it's just like this big structure with these big balls that are on the ends of it. And it's, it looks like giant tennis balls. Yeah, exactly. If you're looking at it, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So there have been those two. There's another one that um, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I've never, I haven't ever been to this one. 
and I want to say it's up in the northeastern corner of the state, and it's something tubes, and it was another artistic creation that this guy made out of, I think it was cement, and there's just these big tubes that you can kind of go up, and I guess he arrayed them in a certain way and stuff like that. Like I say, I haven't ever been to that one, but I think that this monolith thing, like I say, it's not truly a monolith, but uh, that I think that that's what whoever put this was kind of going for was kind of that kind of effect because when you looked at this you could tell obviously it was very well constructed it wasn't cheaply done uh it was firmly put into place and it's a shame that the guys that tore it down um did that because i think it could have been one of these things that people um could have gone to visit and and taken in for what it was worth you know we have incredible <clears throat> scenery here in Utah. Um, we have um, all these national parks and stuff that are just unbelievable um, to, to go and check out. And to see this, which is not in one of the park areas, by the way, it's in uh, Bureau of Land Management uh, area. So, but still in order to do something like that, the artists should have gotten permission like the other artists did for their works. But maybe it was just because of all the red tape that they chose not to do it. Um, it's my guess. There, the New York Post came out with an article and said that the, the guys who had created it had stepped forward and, and claimed it. Now, whether or not they really did, I don't know. I just kind of read that in the New York Post a few about a week ago. Somebody sent it to me. Yeah, I had heard that as well. But what they did... Obviously, doing it on BLM land was, was wrong without getting permission. But then the guys that chose to go in and tear it down, they're in the wrong, too. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. But the sad part of this was that it was really unique. And I thought, how oh, this would be something fun to bring my family back out to eventually. And, and when I first sent that out, what happened was is we, we kind of inspected the thing for about 30 minutes trying to figure out who had put it there if there's any there's literally no markings on it and so at the end of it we just climbed back in the aircraft and went back to doing what we we do and later on that day for work we have a, a group app and I sent a picture of it out and I said all I said to the the guys that I work with was does anybody know what this thing is and then one of them chose to send it out on the Instagram account for our department and two of the local uh, television stations picked up on it. And so I got a call that Friday, this happened on a Wednesday. I got a call that Friday from the guy that runs the instrument or the Instagram account. And he said, Hey, they want to do an interview with you over that thing that you found down in the desert. And I said, well, it's really nothing, you know, it's not, it's, I just was curious what, if anybody knew what it was. And he said, I know, but, you know, can you give him a call? So I called this guy. His name's Andrew Adams that works for KSL TV5 here. And he and I got chatting. We'd done some interviews before. And I said, hey, Adam, it's really nothing. It's just this, you know, art piece down there in the middle of the desert. And he said back to me, <laughs> this is the ironic part, was he goes, you know what? I know it's nothing, but he says it's a really slow news week and I need a filler piece for tonight <laughs> on the news. And uh, I said, okay, so we conducted the interview and 
I, origi- I, I remember originally thinking of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Definitely. Right after I, what is this? Is this something NASA's put? And then all of a sudden, I'd seen the movie probably like 30, 35 years ago. And I thought, this kind of reminds me of that thing in the movie. I, I couldn't even remember what it was. I just remember the beginning scenes with the apes and everything, kind of looking at this thing. And so um, anyway, I, when I was talking to Andrew, I kind of told him uh, that I, I said, hey, this this thing kind of reminded me of 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know, it's like everybody wanted it to be this portal to another dimension or something like that. And I was just kind of... So at the end of the interview, I sent him a little clip off of YouTube that showed the uh, apes jumping around, you know, the monolith in the movie and stuff. And so he did a great job incorporating the story. And I told him, I said, hey, we really don't want people to know where this is because exactly what happened to it was what we were afraid was going to happen, that somebody would either go in and damage it or, you know, I didn't think they'd go as far as tearing it down. Uh, thinking that they're the, you know, judge, jury, and executioner for this thing. And the ironic part is the guys that tore it down, they're total hypocrites. Um, I don't know if you've followed it at all, but they've gotten really beat up on social media. Um, the guy that was kind of the lead instigator of it has gone down there and defaced uh, a lot of the area with his slack lining and different things like that, apparently. I don't, I'm just, going off what people have told me about him. But, you know, it's kind of like, if you had really concerns about what was going on with the environment around this, what they should have done was notified the Bureau of Land Management and then said, hey, you really need to get some control measures in there so that people don't ruin all of this area where this has been located. I actually was not fully aware that somebody had come forward yet. I Obviously, I knew that it had been torn down and that more have been popping up all around the world. I didn't know the person had come forward. And so they're saying they tore it down because of uh, environmental worries. Yeah, the area where this is located, there was one road. I mean, we put out, when I told Andrew, I said, okay, when I gave him the video and the still photos, I said, hey, we don't want people to know where this is because it's kind of in a, you know, we knew that there weren't any bathrooms, that it's quite a drive out there, um, that people could get stuck. You know, it wasn't wasn't because it was dangerous or anything, but it kind of created the appearance that we were trying to hide where this thing was located. And it kind of created that mystery. And since we're all, we've all been cooped up because of COVID and everything else, you know, it was kind of like this thing just blew up on its own. I mean, I was I was shocked, to be honest with you, how crazy this whole thing took off. And the fact that I I think it was people on Reddit, I don't even really understand what Reddit is, but I guess (laughs) they're the ones that figured out the location of where we had found it. And they were able to get on Google Earth and somehow they were able to follow some of the tracks of the helicopter and stuff. And they spent, you know, I think it was from the time the story was released by I think that, that following it aired on a Friday night and by the following Monday or Tuesday, I think was when people had figured out the location. Do you have any idea of how many people went out? Did you ever go back out again or were you only there for that like 30 minute period? I was just there for that 30 minutes, but I had people calling me. Uh, The crazy part was, excuse me, for most of the time when all this was going on, I was out of uh, cell phone range. My wife, my parents were all getting 
phone calls because people couldn't get hold of me <laughs> trying to find out the location. Once the location was discovered, like my wife jokingly said, I'm going to quit my full-time job and just become your agent <laughs> because I wasn't for any of the calls and stuff because we were still out doing the sheep counts. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of funny. I'd come in at night and you know I'd have all of these. I'm not a big social media guy. I barely do Facebook without my wife and my kids and grandkids helping me. And so it was. It's kind of like uh, on Instagram. All of a sudden, I guess Instagram and Facebook are tied in together. I had all of these requests on Instagram. I didn't even know how to answer them. <laughs> you know, I was like trying to figure it out in my hotel room at night. And we put in some very long days on these biological counts. And so for me, it was kind of like, you know what, I'm just putting this off till I get back home and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of just an, a completely surreal experience almost. I had people that I hadn't talked to in 35 years that, that were calling me up or trying to get, hey, just saw you on the news. You know, I had, I've got a friend over in Switzerland that goes, sent me an Instagram thing and and I finally figured out how to answer him. And he goes, is this you? And I'm like, yeah. I go, it's crazy, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, it really is, man. He goes, you're all over the news in Europe and stuff. But I really think that what it was, and, and this is just my take, is we've all been so cooped up because of COVID and the elections. Everybody's sick of the election crap and stuff. It was just kind of a great diversion for everybody to think, oh, wow, there's here's something unusual that we can cut. What is it, you know? And I know, I know everybody wanted it to really be aliens. Trust me, I did too. <laughs> but, you know, in the end, it turns out that it's just some artistic guys that I guess are out there doing their version of land art. Definitely. Do you believe in aliens at all? Like, regardless outside of this, do you believe in aliens in any way? And, and like you said, you were like, I, I wish it was aliens. That'd be cool. Is that true? Or, or like, you know, just what's your take on that? So it was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if you, we, my wife and I last night just were uh, thumbing through movies on Netflix and we watched The Phenomenon. Have you watched that yet? I haven't watched that yet, but I know it's uh, it's all out there and a lot of people are loving it right now. Yeah, it's it was a pretty, pretty interesting documentary and stuff. And, you know, we were talking about it. As a matter of fact, we had a little bit more of the conversation right before we went to bed. And then when we got up this morning, we were still kind of talking about it. But um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I think we'd be foolish to think that we're the only um, beings in the universe. And uh, I've actually had a couple of experiences in my lifetime that I could not explain. And, uh, and I, they were definitely UFO type experiences that I went, okay, this is just kind of freaky. And I couldn't quite figure out what they were. I still to this day have no idea what they were. Were those as your time as a pilot? Yeah. Uh -huh. I used to work prior to working for the Department of Sub Public Safety. I worked um, at the University of Utah as a uh, helicopter emergency medical service pilot um, for their program up there. It's called Air Med. And we had a remote base up in Park City, Utah. And they... Um, we were actually heading back to that base uh, in the middle of winter uh, at about two o'clock in the morning. I had, had medical crew with me, a flight nurse and a flight paramedic. And as we're going up through an area that's known as Parley's Canyon, where Interstate 80 uh, goes out to the east, it's the main, 
one of the main interstates that runs through uh, Utah. As we're going up the canyon, I see this bright light coming towards us down the canyon. And it was <clears throat> growing in intensity. And we have a common air-to-air -air frequency that we utilize to talk to other airplanes and helicopters uh, in the Salt Lake Valley. And I, so I started making calls in the blind, you know, saying, hey, this is Air Med 4. Um, we're en route up Parley's Canyon. I've got the vehicle or the, uh, the aircraft coming down the canyon. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm heading to Park City. And I got no response. And the light just kept continuing to come closer and closer and closer. And I was actually on night vision goggles. And it was so bright that it would it like literally bright, um, night vision goggles have a phenomena where if too much light enters into them, they basically obscure what you're looking at. And that's what happened with these uh, night vision goggles that I had on. I said to the crew, hey, can you see this light? And they're like, yeah, we see it. And I called Salt Lake Tower because I was still in contact with him. I said, hey, this is Hermit 4. Have you guys got any other aircraft out here on your radar and they said now you're the only one we're seeing i said well i've got this incredibly bright light coming directly at me and it's not you know i'm almost afraid i'm going to crash into it and they said no you're the only one we see and so i literally took evasive actions and turned to the left away from it and it turned towards me and i thought okay this is getting really and it kept coming and coming and coming and i said can you guys see this and they go yeah we can see the light and that stuff and i go okay, it's it's like continuing to come straight at us. And wow. literally, I thought we were going to have a collision. <clears throat> That's how nervous it made me. And all of a sudden, it literally just stopped in midair. So anyway, it's like coming in and it just stops literally in midair. And I, I don't know how familiar you are with helicopters or airplanes, but they have to have... Um, not only like a landing light, but they have an anti-collision light, which flashes. A lot of times it's either red or white. And they also have to have position lights, uh, which are usually out on the wings. Okay. And those are usually a red and a blue light or a greenish colored light. And the red is usually on the right side of the wing and the blue is on the left side of the wing. And same thing with helicopters. They have to have a marking somewhere on them to put those position lights. Anyway, it didn't have any of those. It was just this incredibly intense, bright white light. And it literally just stopped there and then reversed direction, straight the other direction. I kept looking at it going, what in the world is going on here? And, you know, I continued to fly up the canyon as it went further and further away. And... um as I got further as it got further and further away, it went up to a area called Duchesne County, which has the town of Roosevelt in it. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, an area called Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, we are definitely familiar with Skinwalker Ranch. Yes. Okay, so literally, and I've flown over Skinwalker Ranch. I've read the book about it and stuff, and it's pretty intriguing. I've been up there and kind of, I've even drove an driven over to it and kind of looked around the property from a distance and stuff. And anyway, this, this light continued to go clear out across park city, across the UN mountains, and then literally disappeared in the general vicinity of where Skinwalker ranch is. And I went, okay, now I'm really freaked out. 
So Andrew Adams, the guy that started this whole story, he did a big story on the local TV here about Skinwalker Ranch. After he did the piece and it kind of exploded, he called me wanting to know the location, but I didn't give it to him at the time because nobody had discovered the location, you know, but he wanted, uh, the guy that owns Skinwalker Ranch wanted to bring some of his scientists down there to look at the monolith. And I said, you know, I'm not going to disclose where it's at, you know, and then once it, you know, it was like about a day later is when it really, you know, those guys had figured out where it was. And I said, hey, you know, this is where it is if you guys want to get down there. But unfortunately, they weren't able to get down there before the guys tore it down. Not that they would have found anything, you know, magical or uh, alienish about it, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a you know, we got a lot of weird stuff in Utah. <laughs> Why do you? Okay, so, so just so I can recap that story correctly, so the owner of Skinwalker Ranch, with the scientists that are doing the uh, examinations of the area there, they wanted to come check out the monolith and asked you for the location. Yeah, yeah, they did. But like I said, at the time, at the time I didn't give it to them, you know, because we were literally trying to keep people from knowing where it was um just and partially do like i say we i mean it's just such a remote uh and and it wasn't that anybody had really get hurt we just i my biggest fear was is people you got to ha- understand how kind of cowboyish a lot of people are around here they bring their guns out shoot holes in it do stupid things. you know they just people just do stupid things and it's like as a matter of fact I've, i'm in the process i'm gonna write an op-ed for our local newspaper here called this is why we can't have nice things in utah <laughs> you know because these these clowns did you know by just taking what they believe is the moral high ground in reality i don't believe they have any moral high ground and going out and you know turn the thing down we even i even found out that the governor of the state of utah wanted to go down and see this thing you know yeah now it's gone and it's kind of sad because i i it's like I was telling my wife, I said, I'll bet you it was, <clears throat> it, was a, it was really spectacular on its own. But I thought the way whoever just had figured out where to put it, there's a drainage that comes into it. And I thought that would have looked even cooler during one of the uh, thunderstorms that we get in Utah during the summertime to see all the water cascading down behind this and then flowing around it. Like I say, whoever the artists were that put this in, they took took a lot of time and care to figure out the exact spot for it they didn't just willy-nilly stick it up in the middle of something and the fact that it wasn't discovered for four years proves that you know they definitely spent a lot of time with it it with figuring out what they were going to do could you give us a physical description of what it looked like to you since you're one of the very few people who have actually seen it in person like how tall was it i know you said it's not necessarily a monolith can you kind of go into why it's not a monolith and i've also and maybe even the materials that it looked like were used to build it you know if you look up i i think it's monolith if you look it up mono is singular i guess and lith is stone so it's so like 2001 a space odyssey the monolith when i went back and watched it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about a week ago with my wife and my grandson they both my wife got up towards the end and said i'm done watching this it's stupid and my, my grandson was like grandpa that's the weirdest show i've ever seen but <laughs> anyway, it was just comical because i thought God, i can't all i can remember was that's what came to my mind 
was that one scene. But then when I went back and looked at, oh yeah, that in the movie, it was, it was rectangular. And I guess if you read the books, there's a lot more meaning behind it. But that's, that's the only thing I could really remember about 2001 from watching it so long ago. And that's why I thought it was kind of funny. And I sent the clip to Andrew Adams. I said, this is what it reminded me of once we stood there and we're looking at it. And so, like I say, he chose to incorporate that into the story. And it was when we got right up to it, and I don't know if you've seen the pictures, Wade got up on, I boosted Wade up on top of my shoulders so that he could look on top of it to see if there was anything up on top that, you know, said who'd put it there or anything like that. And anyway, it was kind of comical. People grabbed hold of that and said that, you know, we were almost acting ape-like around it and stuff like that. I think it was the Guardian over in England said that <laughs> these men in green green monkey suits or something to that effect were, you know, examining it and just made, you know, all we were trying to do was figure out, okay, who put this thing here? And so it was made out of stainless steel. It was pop riveted together. It wasn't screwed together because one of the, uh, I think it was, like, and it might've been Brad or uh, Dustin got their pocket knife out and tried to actually pop one of the, the rivets out to see. But it was very, very well constructed out of stainless steel. And I think it's the Diesel Brothers. There are some guys here in Utah that do a reality show. They they actually, they weren't the first, but they got down there. By the time they actually have a helicopter, they flew into the location and, and kind of went around. He kind of gives his take on the whole thing. Oh yeah, this is very well constructed, blah, blah, blah. But like I say, the artists, it wasn't like they just took a piece of junk and stuck it in the middle of the desert. It actually had a lot of merit to it, I thought. And like I say, it's a shame that these, as I call them, scuff laws from Seinfeld decided that they were the ones that would tear it down, you know. Um, because I think that the Bureau of Land Management could have easily put some, some restrictions into place and then people could have come and seen it and enjoyed it for what it was. And it's really tragic that, that, like I say, that these guys tore it down in the end. I mean, I part of me understands a little bit why they did it, but the other side of me goes, you didn't have the right to do what you did. It is a very cool art piece that I think for a lot of people, it sparked this kind of fun thing to yeah. talk about in a year that I think people are finding very few fun things to talk about, you know? So yeah. a lot have now been popping up all over the world. Do you think that it's the same artist collective or do you think, I know that there's an argument about who it could be. There is this artist collective that has claimed it. There's also this artist, I think his name's David Mc. Kraken, who yeah. his work resembled it a lot. And he had, in fact, told his son before he passed away, he had told his son, like, you know, I, I think maybe I'd like to just put these up all around the world so people think that it's aliens. Do you believe one person or another? I don't have any thoughts one way or the other on it. You know, it'd be kind of cool if it was McCracken. Uh, I kind of picked up on that a little bit, too. And then, like I say, friend of mine sent me the story from the New York Post, which is kind of almost a tabloid magazine, I believe. I don't know for certain. I don't read it. But, you know, you kind of, unless they actually had video footage of them putting it, you know, in place, um, McCracken to me makes more sense because it's existed for 
four or five years, whatever, however long, without anybody finding it. And the fact that, like I say, whoever did it, they took their time. They they definitely thought through this. I, you know, it might have been years in the doing, um, just because it's such a, a, a remote location that not a lot of people go to, and it was accessible to them to be able to get the the uh, material in there to put this in. And so it's kind of it's kind of hard to say. Like I say, the, the sad part is, is uh, unless you know somebody comes forward that's actually got video or pictures of them putting it in place, we're never going to really know. So it's kind of added to the mystery. And as far as them popping up around the world, I think once again, I, think, I, I was shocked at how much this little filler story just went completely crazy. You know, um, it, it just kind of blew my mind um, just how quickly. But then I thought, you know what? The entire world has basically been cooped up now for almost a year and we're going stir crazy and we want something to get us away from you know the COVID 19 thing and we want something to get us away from politics and all the garbage that seems to go on in the world and so i think people really wanted this to be probably more than just an art installation they wanted it to be something from another world that they could actually you know, go, wow, this is, you know, mind-blowing. I'm going to throw one more theory at you. Some people had said that it could be leftover set design from Westworld. Is there any film production out in that area, and would that be even viable? There is a lot of film production out here in Utah just because the geology of the land is so unique. I, I can't think of any other state in the Union that has the diversity of landscape that Utah has. And I'm incredibly fortunate that I get to fly over it and I get to see so much of it. And I know that apparently parts of Westworld were filmed here, but I don't think this, I, I haven't watched the current, I mean, I've seen the old Westworld with Yul Brenner and stuff, but I've never watched the series. Um, but I don't think that there's anything, because it would have been a known thing, like, one of the one of the spots that we flew over that I was unaware until a biologist told me was the. Uh, do you remember the movie Thelma and Louise? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, remember at the end when they drive off the cliff in the car? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's filmed here in Utah, and down around this same area, and the biologists were showing it to me. You know, I went, oh, I didn't know that's where the spot was. You know, and they said, oh yeah, and they were talking about how you know they done the, the car off this cliff and all of that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I'll send you uh, on your phone that you texted me. It was kind of unusual. Let me throw in another little caveat here. When we got done looking at the monolith, we started resuming our game counts and we were flying um, these grid-like patterns trying to look for the sheep. And anyway, as we're flying this grid, probably about 30 minutes later, I'm like, we're coming up over this little area that's got a sand dune to it. And I look down and I go, whoa, what in the world is that? And we circled around it and they go, oh, that's one of the rockets that crashed there um, from back in, I think it was either the 60s or the 70s. And I said, whoa, that's really unusual looking. And they said, yeah, it, it crashed there. And so 
Green River, Utah, which is along Interstate 70. It's this little small town. Just to the south of that is a restricted airspace area. I'm trying to remember what the designation is. It's R6064 or something like that. But it's um, if you look on aviation sectionals, they have restricted airspace, usually for the Air Force, uh, sometimes for the Army, various military organizations. But you're not allowed to fly into those areas. And this particular area runs from Green River, Utah, down to almost down to Moab, just west of Moab. And apparently it was an active test range back in the 60s and the 70s for testing these rockets and stuff. They would fly, I think it was the, the forerunners to like the cruise missiles and stuff. And so that's why it was restricted apparently. It's, it's pretty much shuttered at this point. Um, but some of the remnants of it are still up there by Green River. As a matter of fact, the mechanic, uh, a good friend of mine named Steve, was telling me about it because he's very familiar with that area down there. And so anyway, it was kind of comical because I actually went back and took pictures of the remnants of this rocket, and I'll send them to you. It looks like remnants from something out of Star Wars that's crashed. You know how they showed them on the planets. You know, there's all these... Uh, things and stuff and so I was like taking pictures of it and then later on that that same day as we landed down near Lake Powell the moon was starting to come up over the uh, this one bluff and it was still daylight and it was probably about three quarters of the moon maybe two-thirds I don't know anyway it reminded me of that scene I think it's in the second Star Wars episode where the Death Star is like three quarters of the way rebuilt if you remember the movie. And I, I was just kind of chuckling. And so I walked into the biologist and I said, okay, I've solved the mystery of the monolith. I said, the monolith is a, a tombstone to the alien spacecraft that we found that crashed in the desert out there. And the Death Star back to claim the monolith because the human race is not worthy of it. And we were just kind of joking about it. And I sent it to Andrew Adams and stuff like that too. But it was just kind of comical the way you see all these weird things when you're out flying around and stuff like that. But I just thought, man, if I'd have, if I'd have stuck that out, oh yeah, it probably would have made it even crazier. You know, things probably really would have exploded out there. But uh, yeah, I'll send you the pictures of it. You'll, you'll see where I was kind of thinking in my head and, I'm a little bit of a weirdo anyway, so. <laughs> Here's a of... question that I have for you is, is with the strange art and uh, the fascination of it in Utah, why do you, and Skinwalker Ranch in Utah and all of this together, why do you think um, Utah attracts that kind of, for lack of a better word, phenomenon? I don't have a clue. Um I really don't, you know, I mean, there's just, um, I was in the military for 20 years out here with the Utah National Guard, and we used to see all sorts of weird stuff out in the desert, too, that we, like, couldn't explain, but I think a lot of that kind of stuff had to do with, number one, a lot of the Air Force testing ranges are west of Salt Lake uh, City, and they work in conjunction with a lot of the testing ranges out in Nevada, the Area 51 type things. I've been in both areas and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just, there's a lot of weirdness that goes on. There's a lot of, you know, 
conspiracy theories about what the government's hiding from us and what they don't tell us. I mean, if you watch that show or that documentary, The Phenomenon, you know, it, it was pretty fascinating, you know, because I thought, wow, like there was one that I had no idea about on there about these girls over uh, this, not just girls, it was a whole like school class over in, I think it was Zimbabwe, uh, mm-hmm. Africa in 19, you know, and so there's just, uh, there's just all these mysteries. And I think, you know, I think it's our, our search for meaning and purpose in life, you know, is there, is there more out there? Yes, I believe there is, you know, and you can either go through, um, you know, things looking at it from more of a religious aspect or more of a scientific aspect. And so I think everybody's just curious is what it boils down to. But uh, yeah, we definitely have our share of uh, odd, odd things in Utah, but we're not the only one. But uh, as far as the monolith goes, I think, like I said, I guess my, I guess my biggest frustration was is that those guys tore it down, um, that other people really couldn't go out and enjoy it because of their actions which is pretty tragic. I mean, I had a lot of people call me and ask me where it was located once the, you know, uh, it had been disclosed um, by the online sleuths. And, uh, you know, so I was telling people, yeah, go check it out. It's, it's pretty unique and stuff, you know, but just be prepared. But, you know, like I say, unfortunately, those guys uh, took it upon themselves to be judge, jury, and executioner. And uh, like I say, even the governor of the state wanted to go down and see it. And I got a call from people in the Department of Public Safety saying, hey, the governor's interested in going down and, and seeing this, you know, will you tell, her, tell us where it's at? And, that. and so I said, well, yeah, obviously you're going to tell the governor <laughs> stuff. But uh, yeah, it was, it, it's just, I guess it's just frustrating. You know, it's like in, in a time when we're all trying to, uh, and I think COVID has just kind of hit us all, humanity in general throughout the entire world. You know, it's just, it, it was just kind of something that was fun to get our minds off of all the crap that's going on because the world for all of us has been transformed because of this. Um, we realize just how, um, I don't want to say not insignificant, but uh, just um, how our world can change so quickly, you know, and just almost the blink of an eye, it seems like, you know, you can't, you know, my wife and I, you know, we weren't able to go on our vacations as well as everybody else, you know, but it's just all of a sudden everything's kind of come to this grinding halt. And I think if nothing else, the whole monolith story gave us a, a little reprieve for a while and, uh, and let us kind of just have something else to get our minds off of what's going on throughout the world at this point. So anyway, that's probably about all I got to say on it. Let us know who or what you think created the monolith on Twitter and Instagram at strange underscore phenom and on Facebook at strange phenomenon, all one word. Please give us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Visit www.strange-phenomenon.com for a full list of sources and more episodes. Strange Phenomenon is hosted by Ray Terrara. It's written and produced by RJ Blake and Ray Terrara. Theme music by Tara Monk. Additional music provided by Sergi Cheramizanov.